Welcome to the Real Life Discipleship Podcast, where the conversation about discipleship is always real for real people in real life. I'm excited to talk about this particular topic because it's one of the first times that uh, I really understood the difference between discipleship and what I thought discipleship was in the church. And the story, at least for me, starts out as um, we were in the first hour, or not first hour, the first uh, year of our church building. And I noticed that you would continually talk to people in, as individuals, just as they were walking through the foyer, about what they needed to do. And I didn't understand it. I just felt like you were being very confrontational. And in fact, I even asked you about it, about why you did this, and it led into uh, a whole different discussion about discipleship that uh, I had never considered before. So, Jim, to set this up for you, uh, the discussion was, I, I, I asked why you kept talking to people like that, and tell me your thoughts behind talking to individuals, even though you hadn't spent a lot of time with them, you just saw them, and you would ask them questions about why they don't come more often or why uh, they're not leading group. Well, I hope I wasn't rude about it. Um, it you know, I was younger, so I might have I been, I don't know. But uh, it, it comes down to um, my belief about people. I, I really don't believe that God intended for anyone to become a spectator and a churchgoer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that God called us to be disciples that would eventually learn to, to make disciples. You know, we talked about the SCMD process, share, connect, train for ministry, release to make disciples. Mm-hmm. I really do believe that every Christian is called to connect and be in relationship with God and others. In that connection, they start to train, be trained for ministry. They were skilled and gifted by God to use their gifts, resources, time, talents for the mission of God. So rather than being a taker, they're called on to minister to the people around them. And then lastly, they're called on to be intentional. As they as they grow up in Christ, they become parents, and they intentionally use their gifts and abilities to open up doors so that they can disciple others to, to connect, to, to, to do ministry, and to make disciples. So I would I, I look at these people as not just church attenders, but mm-hmm. as disciples uh, who, since I understand what I believe is the end game, I'm always going, okay, here's the end game. Here's what it means to be mature. Where are these people at? Where are they stuck? What's the next step for them? And then my job is like a coach to go, hey, I see this in you. You have these abilities given to you by God. You have time like everybody else does. Um, where is your commitment? Where is your commitment to Christ, to the things of Christ, to using those things? And my job as a disciple maker uh, is to call people out of the distraction of the world and out of living for self and to say, no, it's more than that. Not just in the preaching do I teach about it, but everywhere I go, it's to, it's to encourage people to call them. When they're doing it right, it's like, nice job, you're taking steps. Mm-hmm. But it's, and if they're not, it's go, in love to say, hey, where are you at? What's going on? This isn't who you are. This isn't what you're called to. You're getting distracted. How can I help you get back on track? Not only uh, for God's glory, but for your good. I believe that I'm offering people the most important thing I can offer them, an opportunity to live in relationship with Jesus and be about his business. 
they are, they're invited into eternal things, and so often we settle for temporary, insignificant things. I think it's a really good way to look at it, and I think that was the one thing that I didn't realize that I realized when you first started talking about it was I had an idea that we, we had a responsibility to disciple people. I think the way I looked at it was if I was in relationship or if I had the right to, I felt like I had to earn the right over years and years and years because uh, that's how long my relationships were. You know, being in one church for 20 years before I left home for the first time, I felt like you had to know people and fish with them and you had to do all these things with them. And here you'd known these people for months and you were able to talk to them like this. And I realized that my idea of earning the right isn't true. It's because they're Christians. You see that they need something. It's our responsibility as leaders to try and encourage them to do that. Well, it's true that there is this concept of earning the right, right? Um, you you want to be careful how you come across. Uh, if they're not Christians, then I, I have to have a different expectation than I do with Christians. If they're Christians, um, I want to I want to be able to know them well enough to know whether they are serving, whether they are doing those things. Have I told them? I think I think you can earn the right much quicker, mm -hmm. you know, than we do. You know, we just wait for things to happen until all of a sudden I've earned the right. No, I'm going to sit down with you, tell you a little bit of my story. I'm going to get to know your story. I'm going to share Jesus with you. And then I'm going to say, hey, man, I love you. I'm just offering you something better than what you're doing. This is good for you. This is good for your family. I'm, I'm challenging you to step up. And different people all do that in different ways, mm -hmm. you know. Um, I'll ask God for discernment to tell me, how quickly can I do this? And, and I don't want to get them to take four steps when they need to take just one. You know, I'm not going to challenge them to go preach uh, in a church somewhere or lead a small group that they just gave their life to Jesus. So I might vision cast for them that God has a long-range plan for them, but right now it might be just to, to go another day without smoking pot. Right. It's just that what is that next uh, one step that's going to get them closer to being a Yeah, uh, and disciple. then to challenge them to do it and then encourage them with it. So one of the one of the stories that you told me early on that really uh, stuck in my mind, uh, partially because it's a word picture, uh, was talking about uh, crockpots and how people are crockpots. And it, in my mind, when I would watch you do this, it felt like you were you were just asking, you know, you were saying, "Hey, do this and do that." But really, you you had a longer range plan with these individuals, and you were you were actually being patient on several different individuals at a time. And so you talked about people are like crockpots. You want to illustrate that for us? Yeah. In my mind, um, when a person gives their life to Christ, they start the process of cooking. You know, mm -hmm. they, they just got in the, they just got in, you know, just brand new in the crockpot. But some have been simmering and boiling for hours, you know, or days or whatever, mm -hmm. however you want to look at the picture. And my job is to lift up the lid and look in and go, where's this one at? Mm -hmm. And then um, and then go, okay, so this one's been in there about an hour. Where should they be in the process right now? What is the mm -hmm. next step for them? Uh, and they're not ready for the next step. They're still working on the last step, so I just put the crock back, pot, pot back down, the lid back down, and just let it continue to simmer. Whereas some of this other, some of these other crock pots, they're done. They're cooked, mm -hmm. okay? They're ready to be served. 
Mm-hmm. And so for this one, they've got stuff going on, and I would try to ask the right questions and see where they're at and get to know them a little bit and go, okay, nope, they're not ready for it. They're still in the last step. They're okay right now. They're coming to church. They're, they're maybe in life group. They're, might be, they're not ready to you know, go out and make disciples and storm the, the world. But some of them had been in the process long enough where I think I have the right to go, you know what, it's time for you to take the next step up. Mm-hmm. And so I would have people that I would just let and simmer, and I had people that I would challenge to take the next step, and then I'd have people that I'd go, all right, you're ready to be served. You know, you're, you're ready mm-hmm. to make a difference, to become a leader. And so I just would have a lot of relationships, and I'd keep checking the lid. Where are they at? Where are they at? Where are they at? And then I would know what to do with them based on that. So it's just a word picture that helps me understand. We are talking about where discipleship happens uh, today in Real Life Discipleship Podcast. And I want to encourage the listeners, it is amazing when you would tell people that they could do it, that they actually would do it. I'm amazed by regardless of what people do, men, women in life, they, they could be from the outside, be very successful. But on the inside, they actually need somebody that says they can do it before they'll take that step. And it seems like, especially in the church arena, have you found that to be true? Yeah, I think the church has done a poor job of telling people they can. You know, um, we've we've said, hey, if you want to go into ministry, you need to um, go to Bible college mm-hmm. and get a. You know, it, you don't know enough. And instead of saying you can come and follow me, and I'll show you how. We've, we, I, I'm too busy doing stuff to, to show you how, right. and and you just need to come because I'm so busy doing my job that I don't really have a time to, to coach you or encourage you, or we'll send you off to Bible college because somebody else is going to disciple you, and it's going to be all about knowledge. And what we do is we really, um, whether we intentionally say it or not, what we say is, you don't know enough. Right. And even the way you preach, when you're preaching things that are you know, big biblical words, and you you talk about things that are way more theoretical, and the normal person can't even, they, they don't communicate that way. They can't, they, they're not communicators. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's, a, that's one of the gifts. It's not most people's gift. In fact, I think the number one scariest thing in America is public speaking. Mm-hmm. It terrifies people. So, they either go, I'm not gifted in that, or I don't know enough. Uh, my job is this church is set up for me to come and listen, and that's my only job. I'm a spectator. Whereas when you say, I see this in you, and you can do this, and I'm going to give you steps to do this, you will be surprised uh, what God can do in people's lives. I mean, we have churches that come from all over the place to our discipleships, and one of the things they'll say to me afterwards or during the, the, the training, is, well, I understand why this church works. Your, your leaders are amazing. You've mm. got these leaders. In fact, I had one Bible college professor say, uh, you've got all aces. You've mm-hmm. taken all the aces out of the deck. And, and we, the rest of these churches don't have all aces. And I said, well, let me just uh, introduce you to these guys. And I said, Hell, this is Greg. He was a saw filer at the mill. Mm-hmm. You know, this is Lance. He owned a restaurant. I was really more of the Joker in the, in the <laughs> card set, <laughs> you know. And 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 so what he so he's like, okay, these people haven't been to Bible college. They haven't been to Harvard, you know, uh, leadership school. They haven't been. No, these are regular people that were just invited into the next step. And as they did it, they realized they could do it. They realized 
that God could use them. It's more about God's power working in humble people, unschooled people, than it is about some special gifting that only a few people have. And, um, you know, I use that analogy of uh, sports a lot. In Church is a Team Sport, I talked about the difference between a college coach and a high school coach. Yeah. A college coach goes all around the country trying to recruit already developed players. A high school coach can't recruit outside their, their own school district, so they have to create a feeder system, little kids wrestling, junior high wrestling, high school wrestling. It's, it's the only way you win. Most churches are like college coaches, they're, they're, they, they would never raise up anybody in their own church. Those are all people that couldn't do it. So they go around trying to steal them from other churches mm-hmm. or from Bible colleges or wherever. The cream. Instead of believing that God gave them people in their church that can do what God wants them to do, can excel at it, just regular everyday people, God, God's plan for discipleship is to see regular people do extraordinary things with his power. That's that's absolutely right, Jim, and uh, I appreciate that. We're eventually going to talk about uh, uh, these different relational spheres that we have and how we disciple in those spheres, but uh, you definitely answered the question today is where does discipleship happen? It happens wherever we're in a relationship, and uh, and also the, the key thing where it's our job to encourage others to get in the game, and once they get a taste for it, they'll, they will not lose it. Yeah, I would say this, too. This relational concept, the people that I was challenging in the foyer mm-hmm. weren't just people that I would I knew from seeing their face, you know, in church. It was typically people that I already knew something about them. I'd been to their house. I'd been and so I was challenging them based on an already developed relationship I'd had with them, whether it was in a small group or some sort of counseling session or some sort of relationship. In it in it and so it wasn't just, hey, my name is Jim Putman. Hey, you need to take the next step. I would say that in general to everybody, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't specifically tell an individual that unless I had already at least had some sort of touch point. Right. But where I really reinforced it was in our small groups. Half of, not half, a lot of our staff came from my men's group on Thursday afternoons. They came and they sat in here. I invited them from the church service, got to know them a little bit, into the, the group, and pretty soon... I started teaching them they could do these things, and I, and I put it in their terms and let them do it. And pretty soon, they're becoming home group leaders, life group leaders. They're becoming staff members. So discipleship, the ability to help a person see what they're gifted at and then give them the opportunity to use it, happens better in relationship. In general, you can speak to the whole crowd, the principles, but they're lived out as you move them beyond the crowds into small groups. And if you've got a whole bunch of life group leaders and, and leaders in your church that are doing this, then it's not one person doing it. Right. It's an army of people that are seeing the end goal, know what it is, they know people, they encourage them to the next step, and now you've got these people emerging all over the place who know how to lead small groups or minister in children's ministry and, and, and in high school ministry or wherever. God raises up an army of people who believe they can because they were encouraged to in relationship. Right. But it goes right back to your crockpot statement. We're going to talk about this in another podcast, talking about encouraging people to take the next step. But uh, going back to your crockpot analogy is you you, you know where somebody's at, or at least you know where you think they are. And when they make a move forward... You, that sends a signal to you that hey maybe they're ready or I didn't expect this 
And because a lot of times you may think somebody is going to do something that they're not uh, positive and they take a step back. Maybe they have uh, skills and abilities, but they don't ever they don't ever bring them to the church or, or for whatever. They're just not motivated. But then there are other people where uh, you didn't think there were going to be anything. And all of a sudden they, they far surpass that. Yeah. Somebody else asked him into a group. Right. You know, and then pretty soon somebody else, this guy, they're coming to me going, Hey, I got this guy in my group and I'll, I'll go who, and they'll tell me, I go, no. And they did, they right. stepped up and they started growing. And it's a reminder to me that God uses people that, uh, I just, I, I would have, would have not expected because that crock that crockpot works and it, it, it heats them up. Yeah. Well, and I think here's the way I would say that these crockpots, uh, these people in crockpots, the best form of crockpot that gets a person ready to be served is a relational environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that's absolutely true. I mean, uh, it, otherwise you're just uh, you're just talking in a vacuum. Yeah. And everybody has the philosophy of, I want to be a good Christian, but you actually go out there and, and uh, hit the pavement. It's a completely different thing, which you, you see time and time again in Jesus's model. His area of discipleship was everywhere. Yeah. And and, um, and the reason is, is because it works better than in a confined area where people are going to put on their Sunday best and do whatever they think you need to see. The reality is we need to be watching them just go about life, and that's when the real coaching happens. Yeah, so. yeah, I would say this. I don't want you to hear that I don't think there's a place for a, a larger group setting. There is. You can pre- preach and teach principles in general to the whole, whole congregation. But then as you start, um, as people start coming and they're hearing this, then it's reinforced through the actions of the people. So you talk about everyone as a disciple. Well, then you've got people in the four years saying, hey, why don't you come to my life group? Now you connect what was said to that environment. And and the larger group gathering is a place where your leaders are identifying people to ask to take the next step. So you connect your disciple makers to what's happening in the larger group setting. Now there's a bridge where they get to move beyond the nice idea to application in real life. And that changes the culture. Right. Absolutely. All right. Thanks again, Jim. And join us again next time on Real Life Discipleship Podcast.